Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey everybody, we got a great episode for you today as Blake Wilson from Beyond is going to break down the W-2 sales model and talk about how to be successful with the W-2 sales team. And really, he gives some great tips uh, for individual agents, whether you're W-2 or 1099. He's actually out in the field working with reps on a regular basis and is able to provide some really good insights there. And if you're a manager building a team uh, in this industry, really some interesting insights from Beyond. So um, that's Blake Wilson. Um, Patty is still out. As I mentioned on the last episode, we're going to have her uh, you know, uh, back here shortly, but, um, you know, I do the questions from the field. And in that one, I talk about brushing your teeth and I talk about you, the only number that you need to worry about. Uh, don't worry. The brushing your teeth thing is a little bit of a joke I have at the end, but, uh, I, it's something I posted in our Facebook group recently and I wanted to present it on the podcast in a little bit of a different format. So it will really help you out if you're having trouble taking action, if you're having trouble procrastinating, um, if you're not you know, achieving the success that you know you could achieve, I think you're going to like the questions from the field. So let's jump into our interview with Blake Wilson. Hey, everybody. I am here today with Blake, who is a VP of sales at Beyond. How are you doing today, Blake? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I am doing awesome. Uh, so really excited about our conversation today. Um, something I've been wanting to talk about for quite a while on the podcast, uh, uh, more in depth. So we're going to talk about succeeding with a W-2 agent team. We talk a lot about 1099. We're going to talk about W-2. But before we get into that, um, Blake, give us your backstory. How did you get into this crazy industry? What led you to Beyond? Yeah, so you know, I've been in the industry for almost a decade now, which which seems crazy already. Uh, <laughs> and the industry definitely found me on accident. I was got done with college, chasing a football dream. Football dream didn't pay all the bills. I was playing <laughs> football, and I applied for every single sales job under the moon. Sure, trying to figure out a way to make some money. Um, landed with a little ISO that had a, a pretty large bank relationship. Was there for a couple of years. Um, pretty easy job, didn't get a whole lot of training in the industry. Right. Selling um, some refurbished T or yeah, T seven pluses, uh, was on tiered pricing models, learning the industry sure. slowly. Sure. And uh, uh, was with them for a couple of years, thought we might lose the bank relationships. So started, you know, searching for new opportunities. Heartland was recruiting me like crazy mm -hmm. at the time. So uh, jumped in head first in with them. Had a lot of success there over three years, you know, outselling in the field, um, but kind of was looking for an opportunity to, to grow my career, get my feet in with a, a company that was starting off pretty early. Right. Heard about Beyond, um, you know, I knew that they were starting, obviously knew about Bob Carr with my time at Heartland sure. and what he had done with his previous companies and the success that he's had, the culture that he's built and the reputation. Right. And was something that I wanted to be a part of. So jumped in early. I mean, I think I'm like employee number 20 or 30, somewhere in that range. Sure. So I was here basically since day one and have, you know, tried to help grow this thing, came in, was selling right away and then, you know, moved my way up um, through leadership levels and then been in the VP role for a little over a couple of years now. Wow. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Um, okay. So, so let's dive into this a little bit. So I want to start off with recruiting. So talk to me about why do salespeople, you know, come to beyond? Who are you kind of searching for? Give me a little bit of information about how are you targeting and kind of finding the right people to add to your team that are going to be, you know, W2 sales reps. Yeah. So we're targeting basically everywhere we can, you know, through job posts, um, through LinkedIn, through networking in our local communities. Um, but we're looking for, you know, the typical sales guy um, or woman, you know, we're looking for someone that's 
that's very hungry. They're driven. Um, they've got a lot of self-discipline, I think is extremely important. And the other part that's, you know, really important for our industry is they got to have some thick skin. You know, right. we've all walked into that merchant that has beat us up a little bit and able to walk out and, and still have the ability to overcome that and walk into the next merchant and try to set up appointments or, you know, go do an install. Those can be tough. So I think confidence goes a long way with that. But, you know, just the, you know, the average salesperson that, you know, has all of those qualities and is also, it doesn't hurt if, if they're super connected, they can have a conversation with anything. You know, those attributes go a long ways for us. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious because obviously a lot of our listeners are more in the 1099 world, right? Um, you know, what is it about, you know, a lot about that side, obviously, I'm sure you're kind of recruiting against that model a lot and vice versa. So how do you see the 1099 versus W2 when it comes to recruiting? Is it, you know, are there advantages that you have with the W2 position and kind of the more of the stability and, you know, like in recruiting, are people coming to you and saying, oh, this is actually a W2, like it's a real job or, you know what I mean? Like what are kind of the things you see of 1099 versus W2 in terms of recruiting people for this industry? You know, I think the W2 piece um, for when we're bringing people into the industry or even, you know, I, I mean, we don't go up against as much as you would think. Um, for the 1099 segment, but when we bring people into the industry, one, I think the W-2 piece does put a little comfort into them that they yes. know they're going to have the opportunity to have benefits right away. And it, it just feels more like something that they're comfortable with because, right. you know, that's kind of what our culture has showed is not to go into the straight commission world because that can be scary, even though our W-2 positions are a commission base, um, right. but they're a little different than most other comp models. Um, so that that is always something that plays into it. It's, just a, it's a comfort level. They know there'll be all of these pieces that they can fall into. And I think the other part that comes along with that, um, you said accountability, training, structure. Those are things that it, it depends on the person and it's gotta be the right fit for them. Right. But 1099, a lot of times, you're out there in the wild, wild west. Um, you're, you're, you gotta be very resourceful on your right. own. Right. Um, you've gotta have uh, extreme amounts of discipline to go out and be successful. And you're probably not gonna have as much support you know, out the right. gate. So right. for new people in the industry, you know, my suggestion, and, and I, you might disagree with me, but I think to really learn the industry, getting in for a W-2 position, you know, for those first couple of years, um, yeah. getting some of that support, understanding the industry, understanding, you know, the the interchange pieces, because we all understand that that's crazy, right. Right. Um, can be, uh, it can be a lot out the gate. So our training team, I think our training team, I would put them up against anybody in the industry. We, when we bring a new person on, they go through a six week training period. Um, they've got a, a personal trainer, uh, right. of, per se, right. and they also have a leadership team that's out working with them shoulder to shoulder before the whole COVID thing. They're all shoulder to shoulder. We've obviously had to make some adjustments <laughs> there. Right. Um, but no, it's like screen uh, to screen. You know, that's, a, that's a huge part because when they sure. get through that first six weeks, you know, they're going to they're going to get a little bit of industry training. They're also going to get a little bit of sales training. So they'll understand how to set an appointment in our industry. They'll understand how to run an appointment in our industry. And they'll understand how to do an install and set those proper expectations at the end of those six weeks. And during that six, six weeks, we're also going to get a lot of deals sold for them as well um, by leveraging their network and then just leveraging, you know, going out and being able to set appointments and close them. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast, actually, is because I, I, I definitely agree with you in terms of new people that come into this industry and I've seen this firsthand. I mean, I actually see the numbers. I consult with a lot of companies and you know, the failure rate of people that come into 1099 programs and frankly, W2 programs, but to a lesser extent, yeah. the failure rate is, is shockingly high. Like 
for any other industry, it would be like, why are we talking about any other problem? Like this is almost the only problem. It's like so many people come into our industry on a daily basis and then so many of them exit and somehow we end up with the same amount. Um, and that's like a huge problem. And I think, you know, to, the way I look at it is W2 or 1099 is a question in my, at least my opinion is like, it's a question of personality and, you know, a drive and some of the things you mentioned, you know, but, but the idea of like, I'm going to start something new. Well, you're going to have to be trained and you're going to have to have a mentor and you're going to have to have, you know what I mean? Like that's non-negotiable. And so I think one of the issues that you run into is what I find at least is companies that are going the W2 model for whatever reason right now, they are much more focused on that. You know, as a general rule, I'm generalizing. There's some 1099 yeah. companies that are doing great with training, but I'm saying as a general rule, there's something about hiring a real employee <laughs> where you're like, yeah. oh, wow, I got to do something with this person. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of 1099 companies just aren't doing that. And so I don't think it's necessarily a function of the the label. I think it's more a function of just, you know, you've got to do this stuff, right? Like you, you're not going to be successful if you're not trained in a new industry, right? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I, I don't think it's just our industry that kind of runs into that with right. people. I think sure. that's something that training never ends. Right. Um, I think we've got one of the best training teams in the industry, obviously. But are we perfect in every means? Does that mean we're going to make every perfect hire and they're all going to be successful? <laughs> sure, sure. Obviously, that would be a dream world that we'd fall into. Right, um, right, right. But we're, we're trying to align as many resources and prop them up so that they come out the gates and one, they can leverage our, our compensation model to make sure that, you know, because the reason people fail is because they're probably not able to pay their bills. Right, um, exactly. Something they're running into like that financially is a trouble. Yep. Um, we want to make sure we get that taken care of first and foremost. And, you know, we're meeting all the financial goals that when we went through the interview process, uh, that they're in a good spot at home, they're happy with their job and they've got the flexibility that they want. So sure. that's really what, you know, comes down to our, between our training and leadership of making sure we're propping these people sure. up the best we can. Okay. So let's back up for a little bit. I want to, I want to uh, talk about one other thing with recruiting real quick. So um, I want to talk about qualifications. So we, we talked in general terms, right? Like we want, they need to be self-motivated, uh, you know, thick skin and all that. But I mean, as far as recruiting process though, how do you kind of institutionalize that or, or proceduralize that to the point where it's like, you know, are you having them jump through, through some hoops where it's like you have to go through several interviews or you have to be, you know, some kind of questions you're asking. Like, what are you doing to make sure you're not getting someone on board that is, that is going to fail for sure? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the first part is when we, you know, we find a candidate, whether on LinkedIn or they, they applied for a job, um, we're first going to probably have a, a quick 30 minute call, which is just a, a pre-screen. We're going to go a little bit about beyond, um, let them know who we are, where we were, where we're going, you know, how they would fit into that model. Um, some of the growth opportunities within beyond. Um, and then I'm going to learn a little bit about their experience and kind of challenge them a little bit on what, the, what our day to day looks like and make sure that, that they're still interested in it. Um, then we're going to dive into the comp model. 100% commission is not made for every single person out there, no matter if it's a, a 1099 comp or our W-2 comp. Um, that's got to be something that they're interested in and they right. want to move forward. So once we get that, their buy-in, that's something they want to move forward. We think they're going to be a good candidate. Then we move them into an interview process. And the interview process, I'm going to dive deeper into some of their sales experience, um, some of the things that make them tick, um, some of the reasons why they want to be successful. I think all of those pieces fall into it and you know how disciplined you can really uncover you know what their discipline uh, levels are if they've had previous sales experience 
I'm going to jump into a little bit of, you know, what their 30 second intro sounds like, um, sure. how they feel they do best at closing their deals. And once we get through that process, if I believe that they're a good fit for who we are as a company, for our culture, um, then we're going to have another call. Uh, we're going to jump into our 94 comp model that, you know, Bob, Bob's had since 1994. Right. And we're going to go through that and under, understand what their, um, you know, their financial goals are, what they have to make the next three months, what they have to make the next six months, and then really what they're dreaming, you know, what their long-term financial goals are down the road. And we're going to dive into that with our, some of our calculators and then show them the activity, what they'll have to do, how many deals they'll have to close per month so that they really understand the work that will go behind this. Because it, it's, as we all know, you can be extremely uh, successful financially in this industry, but it's not going to be easy. You got to put in some work. Right. And so I want to make sure that they understand what that looks like. And then once they do that, um, you know, I always let them know that we're going to, uh, we'll have a discussion. I usually discuss it with, you know, one of our, our senior VPs, or our CSO about the candidate. Um, and then at the meantime, I have, have the reps through this interview process, go out and talk to some business owners, have that conversation, mm. see if they like the feel of that, uh, that conversation. I'll give them some things to say real quick that then they walk right, in there. Right. Um, but just so they really understand it. And then when we come back with an offer, you know, they'll really either be super excited about that offer because they want to come on or they'll be like, eh, you know, I don't know if this is a good fit for me. Right. You know, the owner was pretty mean to me when I walked in there and asked them <laughs> about credit card processing. So, right. you know, that's really how we dive deep into it and, and try to understand yeah. if they're going to be a good fit. And even when you do that, I mean, it kind of narrows it down to we're trying to get the best candidates. Sure. Um, and then some of the people in there, you know, we've had people that come on with zero experience. I was probably one of them. But, right. Um, you know, wanted to be successful at it and was right. resourceful and, and kind of figured it out along the way. Yeah. I, I love what you said about, you know, talking about their financial uh, reality, basically. You know, I think that's that is just missing uh, from a lot of um, you know recruiting processes, because, you know, frankly, straight commission. You know, there are people who maybe don't have that real strong sales background anyway, to where you just kind of instinctively know they're going to go broke before they succeed here, you know? And I think, I think yeah. one of the other big things, like for me, one of the things I'm always talking about is it's one thing to train somebody who knows how to sell and train them how to sell merchant services. It's another thing to train somebody who doesn't know how to sell. Like, that's where you got to be really, really careful. Like, I'm glad that you're a really motivated waiter or waitress. You know, like, that's awesome that you want to be more successful and you're looking for a new career. Is straight commission the right opportunity for that person? If they have 30000 in the bank, maybe. Um, but, you know, they're going to be terrible at it, you know. And I think there's that level of, like, honesty and transparency like you're talking about. It's like, you got to tell them that, you know, you can't just yeah. say, oh, you're going to do amazing at this. Come on in. You know, no, no, no. You got to say, look, your first two months are going to be horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. seriously, you're going to get a ton of rejection. And here's the thing you have to understand, though. I was, it's like you're going to get a lot of rejection, not because of merchant services, but because you don't know how to sell yet. And that's okay. I'm willing to work with you as long as you understand the first couple months are going to be really tough, you know. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you do you bring people on that have no previous sales experience, or is that like a requirement for the people you work with? Just um, out of curiosity. It's not a requirement. Obviously, we've got the pillars that we believe in that sure. are going to you know showcase what you're going to be successful. Right. Um, when we bring people in with with little to no experience, 
Um, it has to be something that we've vetted them. We, right. they know what those first you know, yeah. couple weeks, um, are going to look like. We also believe that with the right leadership in place and we're shoulder to shoulder, we're going to be able to go out and still make some things happen sure. for them. You can leverage their help action, them, help them close, you know, a few deals that we know would not have happened if right. they were out there by themselves. Yeah, so sure. I think that's part of it, but really, you know, kind of back to what we said earlier is going through some of this, the statistics with them. Hey, if you go out and make this many calls, you're going to probably get one appointment and right. you're going to trip and fall into one appointment. And then, you know, this is how, what your close ratio will look like. Right. Obviously that's going to get better as you go down the road, but yeah, you know, you're, you're straight out of college. I mean, right. the only cold calling you've done, you know, was, uh, you know, maybe over Facebook or something. And so, right. you know, they don't have any experience there, but, right. um, you know, we will take, you know, we've got a few of it are starting here pretty soon that are fresh out of college um they they meet all of the qualifications from a sure. personality from a self-discipline but there is going to be some struggle in the sales yeah. process i mean that's yeah that's just something we know yeah and, and it's interesting too i don't know how you feel about this but I, i've always found that more transparency and more honesty i think a lot of um, recruiters are afraid they're going to like maybe scare people off or you know or bring people on with a negative you know uh, vibe but what i find is when you're really honest with people and you say look you know you don't currently know how to sell this is a sales job therefore you're going to suck at this, you know, like yeah. for a week or two, you know, like, hello, like it's a job, like you have to know how to do it and you don't. So I'm going to teach you. But I find that like when you tell people that where you run into problems is when you don't tell people that. Right. And then they come on board and they go out and they get rejected, rejected, rejected. And they're like, man, this job is terrible. And it's like, but if you were honest up front, they would realize, no, I'm terrible and I'm going to get better. And then they would actually yeah. stick it out sometimes. So anyway, I like that. Yeah, if I had a recruit, if I had a recruit on the phone and they were like, "Hey, how is this? You know, is it easy out there?" I'm like, "Yeah, you can go out there and save every single person money. It's going to be simple. Everybody's going right. to want to work with you. It's great." Right. And then they come on the first two weeks and they just took 18 punches to the face every day. Um, <laughs> they're probably not going to be with us in two weeks right? because I set a completely um, different expectation sure. for the job. But sure. if they understand, you know, what they're going to have to go through. Right. And the work they're going to have to put in and they're still super excited for it. Right. And that's the candidate that I want. You know, you got a good person there. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on here to, you've got a good candidate and, and that we hope is a good candidate. Uh, we want to get them to make their first three sales. So you've alluded to this several times already as far as training and even leadership of maybe helping out. Can you be any more specific with that? You know, what exactly do you do to help that? Because I found, you know, once once a rep gets three sales under their belt, that seems to be a magic number where they're going to stick around a little longer. Like, oh, cool, I got three. Um, what do you? What's your thoughts on the necessary steps and, and actions uh, for management and leadership to get them to three deals? Yeah, so you know, our 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 goal on day one is just to get them through the system. I mean, that's sure. kind of what our goal is on day one. And then, you know, the next two weeks, really, our focus is on how can we create as much activity as possible. And so we're going to go out and try to set appointments. Um, first, we're going to, you know, one, go through the beyond promises. We feel like those are very important to us. Um, so we'll dive into those. We'll give them a few distinctions of, you know, things that they're going to run into that we know in the marketplace are going to be common things that they can articulate very easily. And then we're going to work through what their warm network is probably out the gates. So we'll start to create a list. Um, you know, when I first came on, uh, I knew where I got my car wash, knew where I got my hair cut. I knew where um, I was 23. I knew uh, the local liquor store. Sure. I knew a couple other things in the area. Um, so right. I went out and set, you know, 10 appointments with people that 
um, I had some familiarity with, I could have an easy conversation with, and I could sure. tell them what I'm doing. Right. Um, and then I would bring in our leadership with us to help run those appointments. So you would go yeah. in, run the appointments, um, you'd show them the questions to ask to really understand the needs of that business and how we're going to create value and uncover pain points. Um, so we, we bring the leadership in to do that. And when in between those appointments that we're running with the leadership, we're out showing them how, how we cold call. So basically, you know, I'm in the VP of sales position. I was out cold calling last week in Des Moines with one of our reps. Um, you know, that's just something that uh, basically right. all levels, you know, will do to help show them um, how to overcome the objections, some of the main things they run into. Sure. And if we're running those appointments and they're fairly warm, um, you know, we'll be able to probably in 10 appointments, if we can get 10 appointments in those first two weeks, right. uh, we're going to, we're going to close over three of them with right. our leadership team. Sure. You know, they're going to be able to go on and uncover easy pain points and, and right. know what's going to make a difference for these ones. Sure. Um, but a lot of times within those 10 appointments that they set, five of them are good. Five of them were probably, um, you know, not great appointments. They might be an account that, you know, they're selling uh, wristbands or something and they're doing, you know, 500 bucks a month. Right. Sure. Not a great appointment for us, but that's, sure. that's the process. And then really what we're trying to do is kind of what I talked about earlier. We want them to be able to set appointments. That's number one. They've got to be able to create activities. So articulating what the value propositions are for beyond um, how to overcome the main objections that you run into this industry. Uh, we all kind of know some of the things that we run into and then, you know, how to run a professional appointment, truly try to create as much value as you can versus just going in and discussing price every single time. Right. And then three, how to manage an install um, to do that properly. So those are the three pieces that we're trying to do. And, you know, if we get 10 appointments, we're going to close three of them in those first two weeks. Cool. I love it. Yeah, that's a really, really cool approach to get out there and really help. Um, you know, help the agent get those deals under their belt, I think is huge to build that confidence up. And it, and it kind of lets, I think two things as well, side benefits. I mean, obviously it lets them see how you're doing it. So they get to see how you're closing the deal, but also it really keeps your, the leadership team sharp, you know, like yeah. I'm really big about that. Like if you're, you know, for me, it's like, I don't want to be a trainer and I haven't sold anything in the last, you know, six months. You know what I mean? Like you want to, you want to be able to, when, when a rep calls you, you want to be able to say, Hey, I actually ran into that same objection last week and here's what I did. You know, yeah, so. absolutely. I think that's a big part. And it's kind of crazy because COVID happened and I hadn't been out for a while. Yeah. And we were going out to cold call and I was like, man, I'm a little rusty. I might need to do some practice <laughs> in the car first. So. Right. Right. It's crazy how you get, you know, it, you get a little bit of nervousness. And it's, you know, I probably walked into, I don't know, I mean, thousands and thousands of businesses and still every time, you know, just a little nervous still every time, nervous. you know, you just, that's the way it is. Uh, maybe there's some people that aren't, but for me, I'm always a little nervous walking in and, you know, you don't know the person and there's always that split second where you walk in the door and you go like, should I just pretend I'm a customer and not go up to the, you know, not talk to the business owner? Yeah, it's hard. It really is. So yeah. Um, yeah, so good. That's kind of a big part of, you know, what we're doing. And as they see those first two weeks, because we'll get busy, right? I right. Mean, we're right. running appointments. We're setting appointments. We're going to close a couple deals. So we'll have some installs to do as well. Right. And that's really where we can see, you know, from the interview process, Hey, I know this is what your financial goals are. This is how we build out your system. So every day, you know, you have to accomplish this right. in order to hit your financial goals. And this is what a winning day looks like. And I can't stop till I get right here. So that's right. a big part right. of it as well as building out like what their system is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to have their action goals in place, uh, which is, which is crucial. So, all right, let's, let's kind of zoom out a little bit. I just want to get a general idea from you here. So we've talked a lot about the recruiting, getting people on board. So now let's talk about when you look at your agent team as, as a whole, 
What do you see that's setting your top performers apart from your average and your below average performers? You know, I'm just, I always like asking people this that are on the front lines, you know, for all the people that are listening that are individual reps, you know, they want to be a top rep, not an average rep. What are the top people doing that the average people are not doing? You know, one thing I think is it's very simple um, that I'll hit on first is we just talked about system. Right. And then it's consistently working that every single day. Yeah. I think that's the first thing. And it sounds so easy. Um, but the, our top performers, if you talk to all of them, um, you know, they're creating a list every single night um, or every single day at the end of their day. They're going through what they need to do for follow ups. They're going right. through who they need to do for new prospecting. Um, and everybody's got a little bit different of a system. You know, we've got the cold callers that are extremely um, successful, but they know what their daily action has to look like as a cold caller. Um, I've got reps that are, you know, some of the most successful in our company and they probably haven't made a cold call in a couple of years, but they're, they know what their daily action has to be from the networking standpoint or the partnership standpoint. I've got right. to call on this many partners. I've got to, you know, network with this many people. And then they consistently work that every single day. Um, they run professional appointments um, and then they're really good at time management. You know, they'll understand, yeah. you know, this is what I have to do. Um, when I have this segment blocked off, this is what I'm, I'm prospecting. No matter right. what, right. I've got an hour of prospecting. I've got right. to get this in. And so it kind of all of the circles back around to the system of knowing what their strengths are, whether it's cold calling, networking, developing partnerships, sure. and growing it out that way each and every single day. Yep. Yeah, I love it. I, I, think, uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, this is such a weird industry to me where it's like, you know, what, what other job is there where all you have to do is treat it like a job? And you're going to make yep. tons and tons of money. Like it's not, as long as you got basic sales skills, you know what I mean? And you're willing to put the work in. But um, yeah, it's amazing to me when I go out, when I talk to salespeople that are, I talked to one just recently. So, I mean, like super, super successful, huge book of business, massive success. And I'm like, hey, tell me about your schedule, you know? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I go to the gym in the morning. I'm usually prospecting around 10 a.m. And he said, I just stay in the field and I prospect until I got to pick my kids up at four. And I'm like, yeah. okay, what else do you do? He's like, yeah, in the evening, I work for like an hour getting stuff ready for the next day. <laughs> it's like, yeah. seriously? No, he's a really good, he's really good at sales, right? So, of course, he has that skill variable there, right? But, you know, you don't have to do that much. The, the sales reps I talk to that are, that are not successful, they're literally like, yeah, I mean, I haven't prospected in three weeks. And I'm like, well, what are you yeah. talking to me for? What am I going to tell you to do? Go prospecting. What do you think is going to happen? You know, you're not going to be successful. So you have to actually put the work in. But it really is amazing when, you, when you're consistent and you have an action plan and you stick to it. It's, this is a business that, honestly, I think is kind of hard to fail, you know? Yeah, I mean, if they have that and, and they've got a, a you know, specific way about building out their business, like you said, right. whether it's the cold calling or the networking or, you know, developing different partnerships, they're going to send them referrals. Right. They're going to find success if they're doing it every day. I yep. mean, they'll trip over an, enough people that are upset with their current provider that sure. they'll find success. Sure. Okay, so so last questions here. We're kind of getting to, to the end here, but I, I want to just real briefly get really specific about Beyond for just a second here. So one of the kind of perceived downsides to the W-2 model is that, sure, it's it's potentially better for, you know, you're brand new getting into the industry. You've got more, you know, training, you've got more of these, you know, uh, structure, but the compensation is geared a little more like maybe front loaded versus back loaded with residuals. So talk to me about 
you know, the long term, why do agents, why would an agent stay with Beyond for the long haul? You know, what is, what is that path to success to like larger success look like somebody like yourself that stayed in the business for a long time? Give me kind of that long-term vision that you cast for your rep so that our listeners would have a little bit of a better understanding of the W2 model and, and why people, you know, choose that. Yeah, I think one of the things right now for where we're at at Beyond, um, and the reason that I came over to Beyond, I saw what Bob had done with Heartland right. and the, the financial success that he had created for so many of them with different stock options by right. taking them through a IPO right. and then selling them for you know $103 a share um, to Global. So I saw that path, and that's the path that you know we're trying to recreate here at Beyond. Now, is that a promise that that part's going to happen? No, but it's something that we highly believe in and we, we think that we're on the right path to get there. Sure. So that's number one, because we've had reps and we'll run different incentive contests um, where we had reps, you know, earn up to thirty-five dollars to $50,000 with the stock options. Right. And I mean, we just saw what Shift 4 went through and, you know, their stock is what trading at $34 a share right now. Right. So those can obviously, you know, create serious wealth if you stack those up. And we've got different ways to stack that up through contests. And so... You know, the other part of it is, you know, what is true financial success for everyone you right. know, here? There's different ways that you can build portfolio equity through beyond. And I know some of our top reps have, you know, sold back their portion of their book for, um, you know, in the first couple of years, already hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Um, they're creating upfront signing bonuses um, right. to where, you know, they need to cover bills out the gate. And then, you know, they can obviously create some true wealth through uh, their residual piece as well. Um is there going to be always the biggest cut versus what you're going to get at some, you know, 1099? Uh, that's probably not always going to be there, but that's because we're providing different values in the portfolio equity and then also the stock options. And, you know, we're running an incentive contest right now, and I don't know what, you know, exactly everybody's looking for from the wealth side, but some of our top performers are going to get a $30,000 check, you know, at the end of the year um, right. come January because they perform and they right. can turn that into stock options or they can take that in cash. And we run incentives like that, you know, nonstop. So right. I think that's pieces of it. And then understanding your strength as well. You know, some people yeah. um, can be successful no matter if they're at Beyond or if they're running their own company somewhere else and just selling as a one man show. But a lot of our successful reps are dependent on, you know, some of the leadership that is out there working with them every day. Right. And that's always going to be important to them as well. So yep. there's different ways yep. to get there. Um, and we, you just have to understand the comp model and how you leverage that as your platform. Yeah. You know, it's just to add to that and, and kind of my own feeling as I as I work with 1099 and W2 companies alike, um, you know, again, going back to what I said earlier about, you know, personality, right? Like I think there's obviously, like you just said, you know, there's some people that would succeed as 1099 or W2. But I think a really important concept for agents to think about is potential success versus actual success. So a lot of times, you know, I'll talk to an agent that's like, oh man, I've got this opportunity. I can get X, you know, percentage split and whatever else. And it's like, okay, cool. So are you making a lot of money? No. Well, why not? Well, I'm not prospecting. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, I don't have any accountability. I like to have a team to talk to, but I don't have anybody. And it's like, <laughs> so who cares that your split is really big? You're not selling anything, you know? So it's like, I think a lot of it is there's a lot of people that it's like self-awareness of put yourself in the best position to succeed. And in this industry, success is always going to be a function of the number of sales you make. So 
yeah, your percentage is kind of obviously important when you, you know, all apples to apples, but it's not apples to apples. You've got to figure out where can you be successful, right? So it's like if you have this amazing comp plan somewhere, high splits, and, you know, you're prospecting 50 hours a week, good for you. But if you're struggling and need the structure and the accountability and you realize, wow, I would do better with a team, well, then you got to look around, you know? So I, I think there's that, you know, I think there's that idea where salespeople get sometimes taken into something where they feel like there's a big potential success, but they, they actually never have the structure or accountability or training to accomplish it. Yeah, I think that's key. And then, you know, it's kind of different. Like when we talked about in the beginning is what is everybody's financial success? Like, what does that look like for them? Some right. of them, it looks like, Hey, I want to come, I want to make some money. I want to earn this trip where we go on a trip to, you know, some beach somewhere. Right. And, you know, I want to have a good time and I want to make sure that I'm at every single one of my kids, soccer games and football games. Right. And, Right. You know, that's a part of it as well. And that sometimes the 1099 world's the best for them. And sometimes the W2, it's just kind of up to the person uh, right. for what the best fit is. Uh, and then the other part is, you know, what, where we're at as a W2, you know, if you come on, you get vested, those are going to be lifetime residuals for you. And the 1099 world, some of these people are getting taken advantage of in some crazy contracts the same way that merchants have as well. Sure. So if, sure. unless you're really understanding all of that language, I think that's important finding experts like you or other people in the industry to help you navigate the 1099 part can be important as well. So you don't get caught in some sort of crazy contract, like many of the merchants that we run into. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Blake, this has been uh, super interesting. Actually. I love talking to people that yeah, I spend a lot of my time talking to the president, CEO, whatever that hasn't sold anybody in 10 years or whatever. And, uh, which I love, don't get me wrong, but, yeah. uh, I love having conversations with people that are managing the frontline salespeople because that's what I'm really passionate about and helping those individual salespeople. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, before we go though, um, I'm sure some of our listeners may want to learn more about, you know, you and, uh, and the beyond team and the opportunity, where would you send them to learn more? Yeah, go to our website, getbeyond.com. Check me out on LinkedIn, Blake Wilson. I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, you know, send me a message. I uh, love to chat. And then, you know, to you as well, you've been putting out a content for a long time. You know, I've, I've absorbed a lot of it over the years, especially awesome, when man. I was out in the field. So appreciate everything you do for the industry. I think you're, you know, you, you help a lot of people out that you probably don't even understand the, the ways that you're getting to. That's awesome, man. Hey, thanks, Blake, so much for following the content and just appreciate you taking the time. So have an awesome day. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field, with James Shepard. Hey everybody, I'm back here with questions from the field and I want to talk to you today about a really interesting thing and that is what is your number? What is your number? I have been talking about this so much. I actually just put a post out in our um, private Facebook group. If you're not a member, you got to check it out. <clears throat> we actually just reached um, over 1,000 members. Um, if you go to his Facebook, <clears throat> Excuse me. If you go to Facebook and search for CC Sales Pro Community, uh, you'll find it there. And, uh, you know, I just put a post in there about this, but there's really only one goal that every merchant services sales rep needs to have. And that is 
the number of contacts that you're going to make either daily or weekly. Okay. So it's an activity goal. So when I say, what is your number? The question is, what is the number of contacts that you're going to make um, on a weekly or daily basis? And in the Facebook post I made, I, I broke it down into several different ways you could look at this. <clears throat> so one way I said is you could actually go back before the idea of the contact and actually look at prospecting activity. So you could go and say, I'm actually going to walk into 20 businesses a day, right? That could be your goal. It's a purely an activity goal. You realize that that activity is going to convert into five good contacts on average, but you're just looking at, you know, I'm going to walk into 20 businesses a day. Um, the other thing is you could say, no, you know what? I actually really do need to track my number of contacts a day. That needs to be my goal because I'm doing, you know, um, networking events. I'm doing other things. I'm doing, you know, some cold calling. I'm doing appointment setting. Um, you know, I'm doing advertising. And so, you know, when you do multiple things, I find a lot of salespeople struggle with this where they're a little bit more advanced in terms of their, their talents in the marketing arena and the networking. And so they're doing a lot of different things and they have a really hard time putting a, a, a number on their productivity. And at the end of the day, if they're not careful, they might feel productive when in fact they weren't productive, they were just busy. You know, they went to three networking events, but they actually didn't make any new contacts there. And so you gotta be careful to make sure you define a contact. A contact is, you know, you having a real conversation with a qualified decision maker for the first time. Let me say that again. A contact is you having a real conversation with a qualified decision maker for the first time. So if you set that goal, and let's say you were to set that goal at three, three to five a day, which is pretty good. If you set that up and said, I'm going to have three to five new contacts with qualified decision makers every day. Um, well, then if you go to a networking event and you get one new contact, even though you maybe had a meeting with 40 different people where you're up there making a presentation, but you only got one new contact, you're going to say, well, you know what? I've got to go do some, I got to go walk into some businesses or I got to make some cold calls because I only have one. I need to get four more. And so I have my goal. And maybe you got in a lead from LinkedIn as well. So you got two contacts, right? You called them and you had a conversation. So you have two contacts. So you need three more, but you've got to have that number and say it's a number of contacts. Finally, the third option is you could actually look at this and say an, uh, an amount of time. So if you're a very scheduled person, you really enjoy living by a schedule, then you could say, I'm going to go prospecting for X amount of time per day. Now, remember when we're talking about prospecting goals or you know number of hours, prospecting is where you are attempting to get in contact with a qualified decision maker for the first time. So in your prospecting time, that doesn't include follow-ups. Follow-ups are separate. You got to make sure in your mind, mentally, that's a separate thing. So if you're a very scheduled person and you like to, um, you know, schedule your day out to the minute or at least to the hour, then I would go that route. And you say, I'm going to prospect at least two hours a day or three hours a day. But whatever that goal is, what is your number? You need to have just one. Pick one of those three that I just mentioned and you know, figure it out. So kind of go, okay, how many contacts do I need to make in a month, right? In order to hit my goal. Okay. So divide that by 20 working days a month. So how many do I need to make a day in order to hit my ultimate goal? And then go, okay, is that my goal? Or do I need to break that down further into an amount of time? Or do I need to break that down into an amount of activity? I'm going to walk into X number or make so many calls. So you've really got to break these numbers down and understand them. But ultimately, the goal of having this deeper understanding of your numbers is to come up with one very simple number. And I'll give you one last tip, just a funny uh, you know, thing that I added in, in the Facebook post that I was talking about. 
uh, I talked about brushing your teeth and I said, <clears throat> the way that you can tell if you have one of these numbers I'm talking about, like five contacts a day or 20 business walk-ins a day or 50 cold calls a day or two hours of prospecting a day. If you have one of these goals, the way you can tell if you have a real goal is this, this test, okay? You should be just as likely to forget to brush your teeth that day as you are to not do the number that you have set. So it should be, if your goal is, yeah, I walk into 20 businesses a day, then it should be just as likely that you forgot to brush your teeth today as it would be that you didn't walk into 20 businesses. Those two outcomes should be about the same. And if you're not brushing your teeth every day, you have bigger problems if you're in sales, right? So uh, you know, I would encourage you to get a goal, stick to the goal consistently over time. You'll be glad that you did. Uh, my name is James Shepard. Thank you for watching and listening. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.